If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 51. I'm your host, Rob Snow White, and yes, that is my real last name. And yes, I get asked every day. It's steelhead season, folks, and there's one thing on my mind, steelhead. We've got at least one trip planned right now for the Great Lakes, and I know there's a lot of people out there that want to get into steelhead fishing, so I thought I'd bring back Art Noglack, the fishing manager from the Orvis store in Tysons, Virginia to have him go over how to outfit you, the listener, for steelhead fishing. So we're going to sit back on the back porch. We're going to have a shout-out from my neighbor Donovan from next door, sort of like Wilson, but you can see him. And if you want to have a drinking game during this podcast, if you're of age, have a sip every time we hear one of Art's laughs. We'll see how you do. Hope you enjoy this one, everybody. It's about two hours long, chock full of information. All right, let's get this started. We are out here on the back patio, the back lanai, if you will, with uh, Art. Art, you want to uh, introduce yourself again? It's been a little bit over a year since we last spoke. Uh, my name's Art Noglack. Um, I am the fishing manager uh, at the Orvis Company store in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and spent most of my life fishing for steelhead in the Great Lakes. And you got the steelhead bug up there. Steelhead fever? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, at, a, at a pretty young age, too. 
Uh, in fact, I think the first fish I ever caught on a fly rod was a steelhead. Don't, don't spoil you. Yeah, yeah. How long has it been since you last steelhead fished? Uh, I went last March. Okay. And I'll probably go again this March. You can get off in November, come up with us. We got a spare bed for a couple nights. You going up to the salmon? Salmon, yeah. Old Slammon River. Salmon River on the Trestlepool Lodge. Yeah, yeah. November, election week. (laughs) Oh, that's good. You can get away from that nonsense. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. All right, so we're going to talk about this podcast. Let's say you're listening... You've been a bass fisherman, or you fish for small stream trout or bluegill, and all of a sudden you want to change over and try your your luck with steelhead on the Great Lakes, or maybe you're in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we got listeners all over. I want Art to tell us what kind of gear a novice steelhead angler would need, regardless if they already have like some you know small stream trout stuff, or they live in Charleston and they fish for redfish. They might have some gear. We're going to try and run through uh, what you need and sort of the dichotomy of let's do it on a budget, which is most of us, versus let's say you uh, you just won the lottery and you don't have time to go to Kamchatka, but you got time to go up to Lake Erie or Lake Ontario or Lake Michigan. So if money was no option versus if we're doing this on a budget. Um, I, I, think, um, I think if you're doing it on a budget, this is – it's a great time in, in, in fly fishing to, to purchase gear. All, all sorts of manufacturers have excellent, um, you know, rods that are that are rods and reels that are you know under two hundred dollars. So you can get like a, you know, Orvis has a, a clear water rod with a twenty five year warranty that's in the two hundred dollar range. You that's know, what I fish. Yeah, TFO has uh, an excellent you know choice in that price range as well. Um, you know, as long as as well as most manufacturers that, that I've seen, you can usually get um, a quality rod with a with a warranty. I think that's the most important thing. Is, all is rods catch fish? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's not you. You know, <coughs> you, you can you can have a Ferrari and you can have a Hyundai. Both get you to point A and B, but one might do it in a little more bells and whistles. But they both do what they're made to do. Yeah, no, most most certainly. Um, you know, you can spend a lot of money in, on this sport, and, and I have a lot of nice rods, you know, that are that were very expensive and top of the line, as well as reels. But um, you know, I have a lot of great, you know, mid price point and entry level things that work just as good and catch just as many fish. So um, I think that uh, I think that you should just buy the best that you can afford. And you're going to go with a seven weight for the rod. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really think that um, I really think that a that a ten nine or ten foot seven weight rod is really the best the best choice that you can you can have for for steelhead fishing. Um, you know, or an eight, seven or, or seven or eight. And those rods you can use back at home, not just on, like you don't need an eleven foot rod because you might not be able to fish that back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for versatility home. reasons, like like if I was going to buy, um, you know, if I was a saltwater angler. And all I had was nine weights and, and ten weights and eight weights. I might I might uh, I might buy a nine foot seven weight as opposed to a ten footer. Um, you know, ten footer is probably ideal for for steelhead fishing. The not a lot of people realize that that only you know one foot in your rod you know translates into a lot of feet on the other end when you pick that line up to mend it. Um, and it's you know anytime you're doing. Um, you know any sort of indicator fishing, or, or if you're if you're nymphing, 
uh, fishing subsurface, the the length of the rod and the longer the rod really gives you a, a pretty good pretty good advantage for mending. Um, so I definitely I definitely think that, that that a seven weight is really you know the best, and then you can also use that seven weight for a lot of other things. Make that makes a great streamer rod for for bigger trout. Um, you know, it makes a small bonefish rod. It's a good rod for you know the beach. Carp, carp, yeah, it's a great carp rod. So I like my rods with a hook keep on them. Orvis says they won't put a hook keep on their six and saltwaters up because it gets mm-hmm. in the way if you shoot your line. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, just the truth is, is I have one of my actually one of my favorite rods that my first well, it wasn't my first steelhead rod, but it was the first really nice steelhead rod I bought was a Sage Z Access, and um, it's got a hook keep on it, and it's a ten foot seven weight. And I love that rod. And but when I shoot the line, it gets caught on that hook keep like all the time. I can see it happen. They need um, to go back. Remember the, the nasty vortex reel? Yeah. It had a little loop on the reel for your hook on the the foot. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they so I do the wrap. Uh, yeah, I wrap it around the back side of the the back side of the reel underneath the butt of the rod, and I come up to the the uh, stripping guide right. and hook hook it up there. Do you do it in a stripping guide or on the metal pieces on that the, hold it? On the metal pieces that hold it. Right. So people think that you can nick your guide. Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but I've always thought that why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, you know, why risk it? So I hook it in the little in the little metal piece. What about when it's Below freezing, you have a method for de-icing those rock guys? Um, chapstick is what I usually put on. So Cherry, you know, regular menthol? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know that it matters. Um, but, uh, you know, usually I think I just buy the, the old regular. Um, but that's what I'll do. I'll take, uh, you know, if the conditions are, are cold, I'll take some chapstick and I'll rub it on the um, the snake guides and the stripping guides, you know, and I'll apply it. Uh, pretty good and sometimes i'll even rub it on the leader and on the fly as well that is one benefit of the higher end orvis rods is the recoils Mm -hmm. you just pop them back with your thumb and the ice just yeah yeah no absolutely it's it's good 400 you know extra bucks versus 89 cent chapstick you can you know take your pick yeah (laughs) cherry chapstick always makes me think of Katy perry (laughs) (laughs) She, she kissed that girl yeah right um, not real. Let's talk uh, some of the big, you know, the, the bigger rods. People like to have a click and paw versus like I like a solid. Draw. I want to stop my fish. I don't want my right. hand near near it. I don't want to get my knuckles busted. But what what would you suggest for reels? Well, I think that a large arbor reel is important. Um, you know, I think that a steelhead will often. Um, I see the seal will often run. Rarely do they run into your backing. Um, you know, I can count on one hand how many steelhead have ever taken me into the backing, and I've caught them from, you know, uh, a few pounds all the way up to, you know, 20 poundish range or close to 20 pound range. Um, I've never, I, I think I've had a couple occasions where, where they've gotten into my backing. It's usually because of a mistake that I made. Um, so they run, you know, and usually they'll get, you know, 30. 40 feet, maybe 50 feet. Very rarely do I ever get them more than 50 feet Sometimes, away from me. Just the anatomy of the hole. They can't go from, like, right. one exactly. spot to an X. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what they do tend to do is they'll run out initially, and then they'll come back toward you. 
And when they're coming back toward you, it's very difficult sometimes to keep tension. A really good steelhead angler, you always see, you always know when you see an experienced steelhead angler because as soon as they hit, they hook up on a fish, they immediately run up onto the bank. So they get out of the water, they're immediately on the bank. And the reason is, is they realize that at any time that steelhead could run back towards them and they want the ability to be able to back up or move upstream or downstream and, and use their, you know, use their feet to their advantage. Um, but a large rubber reel will, you know, allow you to pick up line with less revolutions per second than a smaller one. So I do think that that's an, I do think it's important to have that. Um, I don't think that you, I mean, I can strip most steelhead in, you know, um, if you, if you know how to play the fish correctly and, and, you know, you know how to apply sideways pressure on the fish, um, in order to time out, you've seen my bleach bottle. Oh yeah, thing. I got I got the spots in my pants yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you can. I think you can actually strip those fish in pretty, pretty easily. Um, you know, especially when they're coming at you. And that's one thing that that I see a lot of lost steelhead because the fish swims towards the the, <laughs> the fish swims towards the angler. Um, and they lose they lose tension, you know, because right. so they're they're faced with they need to either move their body backwards to continue to keep tension, or they need to switch from reeling to stripping, because obviously you can strip faster than you can than you can reel. So, um, I think I think the reel is important, but I don't. I mean, just like most freshwater fish, I don't I don't think it's I think its major purpose is holding a line. Right. So let's talk about actual reel. So people may not know like cast versus machined. Mm-hmm. Sealed versus non-sealed drag. Yeah, yeah, you have to worry about. If you want to go over those and then the benefits of each. Yeah, so you know, uh, machine reels are just a little bit. Um, <laughs> machine reels are just a little bit uh, nicer. Uh, hold on, that's not it. We're, we're podcasting, D. <clears throat> you want to be on the podcast? Negative. All right. <laughs> Thank you, right on. I want my face up in the face. No, it's all, it's all, it's all audio. Oh, word? You can come by later. We're talking steelhead. Okay. He doesn't know what steelhead are. That's all right. I'm a Cowboys fan. Cowboys fan. What's good, though? All right, man. I'll get at you. Right on. All right, so reels. Uh, yeah, so reels. So uh, cast versus machine. Machine just a much better quality. Um, you know, just like anything else, this machine as opposed to cast. Um, sealed versus unsealed. I mean, sealed drags are obviously better if you can if you have a sealed drag system. There's less of a chance of grime and grit and ice and dirt and salt and everything else getting inside the 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 bearings or the tungsten plates or however the reel the particular reel is designed. Um, so I really do like sealed drags, um, and there's no there's no or very little maintenance typically on sealed drag reels where ones that are um, have exposed drags will a lot of times you know you have to clean them out because they collect a lot of debris. Uh, lots of manufacturers have really awesome sealed drag reels now that are inexpensive. Uh, the Orvis Hydros reel is the new one out, um, just over two hundred bucks uh, in in like a size four is what you would use for. A seven or an eight weight rod. Um, that's an awesome, awesome seal drag reel. Um, what are some other manufacturers that have? Oh, I don't even know. In that price range, but they're out there. Yeah. You know. 
um, that's a really good mid-price point, you know, sealed drag system, I think. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't, I would put my money in a rod over the reel in steelhead fishing, to be honest. I would rather have a better rod than a better reel still. And that's just pretty much any fresh water for me. Now let's talk about the lines. What are we going to throw on these? We're doing uh, any technical lines, weight forward. What if someone shows up and they're red fishermen and they want to bring their, their red fish lines? Yeah, they're, um, you know, usually it's a weight forward floating line for most all steelhead fishing that I've seen on the Great Lakes and even in the Pacific Northwest. Um, the weight forward floating line is real versatile because, you know, you have the ability to fish streamers. You have the ability to fish nymphs on it. Um, you can uh, you can also do dry flies. Um, and if you need to get a fly down further, you can add things like you know poly leaders or um, you know sink sink tips and things. Um, I think that uh, there are some great um, custom steelhead tapers out there that I've seen. Um, usually they're a little bit easier to mend. Uh, usually their their function is more for you know indicator fishing and dead drifting flies. Um, but I think a, a weight forward you know your standard weight forward floating line works great. The uh, I wouldn't recommend the saltwater uh, lines out there. I think that uh, typically the conditions are too cold, and those lines become extremely rigid in uh, in those colder those colder conditions uh, most of the time. Um, so I would, uh, I would stick with, uh, with fresh water, fresh water or cold water line. Do you ever throw like Scandies versus Skagits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm a, more of a Skagit fan, um, on the Great Lakes. And typically the reason is, is most of the steelhead are, are at the bottom. You know, as you know, from, from steelhead fishing, typically you're trying to get the fly, uh, down in the water column and present it, you know, right in front of where those fish are, are holding. Uh, and typically it's just uh, the hydraulics at the bottom of the stream um, are a little bit a little bit softer and easier on the fish than they are in the top of the water column where the water's moving faster, so that's where they like to hold. Um, so usually you're throwing, you know, um, I will put on anywhere from 8 to 10 feet of T11, um, what's what's T eleven for the kids? It's not like the eleventh Terminator movie. No, it's uh, it's like a like a tungsten. Yeah, tungsten coated uh, Rio. I think that's Rio's. Um, you know what? Actually, it's not. I, I just realized that that Scientific Angler also uses that T. Yeah, I think it's just on a different scale. So I think it's I think it's a unit of measurement amongst um, different manufacturers. But each. Uh, yeah, I think it goes like what T eight through T twenty. I think something like that. Whew. Everything in between. Heavy stuff. Yeah, T twenty being the 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 heaviest. Um, and then they have like uh, an inches per second that they that they sink, you know. And then typically, like the longer the um, the the tip that you make, the further down you can get it because there's just more there's more weight, or the faster that it'll get down, or quicker it'll get down for you. Um, for steelhead fishing in the Great Lakes, I'm typically, you know, usually using, you know, T8, T10, T11, T12, usually not anything heavier than that. However, there are some places where 
Um, you know, I fished uh, the Muskegon River in Michigan a couple times, and we did use some bigger rods with um, some T some T twenty. So there are there are some places where where you can do that. Um, I usually don't use this on single hand rods though. Uh, I think the poly leader is a better option. So a poly leader would be a uh, it's a leader that sinks that is easier to cast on a single hand line and rod then um, it would be the T-material. I feel like the T-material is, is designed and um, is expected to be used with uh, space, space systems, which have, the lines have more mass to help move the heavier, right. the heavier line. Right. Uh, I like Skagit. Um, I feel like the Skagit turns over the, uh, the heavier flies uh, and the heavier sinking lines a lot easier. Um, it requires smaller D-loops. Do you need split shot, or it takes care of it using the sinking line? Uh, usually, um, usually with a with a, a floating skagit head and um, a section of that T material, if you match it properly to the water that you're fishing, uh, there would be no split shot. There would be no split shot. Just a, a short, maybe like a 18 to 24 inch section of you know zero X or 13 to 16 pound fluorocarbon tippet. Yeah, so let's talk leaders. Yeah, okay. Let's went into that. Uh, build your own versus buying pre-made. Um, I usually buy pre-made steelhead leaders. Um, uh, yeah, so what I do is um, if I'm going to be indicator fishing with uh, a, a leader, what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll get a uh, seven and a half foot zero x leader and i will tie a tiny barrel swivel to the tippet section of that leader just using a clinch knot and uh, you can usually find those little barrel swivels at any dick sporting goods or you know walmart will have them cub, cub bass pro is that yeah what yeah, call yeah. It now? cub bass pro yeah <laughs> you can get it get it there That's right um i rarely ever see them in fly shops though it's usually where they're spin tackle yeah i get it I got mine at Cabela's this year on the way back from okay. Michigan. Okay. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll tie that to uh, to the end of that leader, and that that's like my leader for the year. Like, I don't need to. I don't really need to ever take that off for any reason. Um, and then what I'll do is uh, from there I'll take like a piece of um, like one X fluorocarbon, and uh, I'll tie that to my first fly, which is typically like an egg pattern. First fly, so where it's legal to fish too. Where it's legal to fish too, unless, yeah. Unless the yeah. man is not coming out that day, right? Yeah, but you some, don't want to risk losing your gear, right? Yeah, some uh, some states you can only fish one. Like New York, I New think, York, right? yeah, that's yeah. the one I know of. Yeah, New York. Um, most I think most places you're you're good with too. Uh, check the uh, DC too. You wouldn't want to go against the law. <laughs> I don't want to go to Steelhead Prison. Right. Yeah. It, DC's two, right? You have yeah. two, two in DC. I'd love to throw three shad flies. And three. See what oh yeah. You'd be, you'd be nuts, man. <laughs> Blue cat, a hickory, and an American. The uh, and the shad are not really all that dissimilar to the Steelhead, in my opinion. You know. Just both, get it down in front of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, both anadromous fish, and they eat the shiny. Little Estaz. I've already shad started pattern. custom shadow orders. I'm sending them out tomorrow. Really? For spring. Ah, right on. Yeah. How about that? That's right around Thinking the early. Yeah. And the next time we have a day like this, it'll be in May. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so 1x, you know, 0x to the swivel, 1x to the egg pattern or nymph, uh, and then usually 2x off the bend of the hook or through the eyelid of that hook uh, down to a little baitfish pattern, you know, white Estaz woolly bugger or, you know, whatever your favorite Greg Senyo fly of the month is or, you know, anything. Uh, I like... Uh, you know, my top three steelhead flies are probably a um, three-loop pink lady, which is like a sucker spawn type. Um, probably my favorite. Probably put more more fly fish on that than anything else. Um, just a plain old white woolly bugger. I like it tied with Estaz, though. Like a crystal bugger? Uh, similar, yeah. Just like crystal bugger. Just I like the Estaz body. Right. Um, you know, as opposed to the opposed to the chenille. You know bunch of lead wire on there and the bead and um i like that i like that combination with the with the pink lady i don't know what it is um you're russian so you should like blue Ah. russian guys love blue i tied up what it is three three blue crystal buggers today did you (laughs) um yeah blue works really well i mean i i I don't know the I, i i can't tell you what the color the color thing is. I mean, some days they like chartreuse. Some days they like pink, and others, you know, they like black. And and um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have any theories. I'm tying up three crystal buggers in each color of Estaz I have. Figure one of those size. <clears throat> size four. Yeah. yeah. They're uh, the. I'd take a couple smaller ones too. Seventy thirty one. Hook from Fly Shack. Yeah, is it a like a stout, pretty stout? I've never had a bad one. Wow, that's good. Six ninety nine for a hundred, and they don't bend oh, and wow. they're sharp. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good price. And um, you get a barbless too. Really? Uh, so, I would take some um, some smaller ones. I would I would think about taking some smaller ones as well, just right. in case you know. Like, um, I would say that. Most commonly, I would fish eight sixes, you know, sixes or eights right. for them. Um, but it depends on how deep the water is going to be. But I hear that uh, I heard it's low. It's like low and clear. Yeah. So I would think about uh, tying up some little ones, you know, and um, also going down to smaller nymphs. And can people contact you for some of these flies? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, just give me a call at the shop, and um, we we would always be happy to. Recommend something or seven zero three five five six eight six three four. Wow, you memorized the number. Huh? Well, it hasn't changed since the nineties. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Back in the day, we I didn't have a cell phone. I had actually called the store. Yeah, right. From a landline. There was a time before cell phone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So and that lead. Oh, so go back to leaders. Yeah. That was for your non-T line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, seven so foot. yeah, usually the leader comes out to be about ten feet long. You know, I always start with that seven foot zero X, and it usually tapers down to two X. You know, um, what's kind of neat about that little system is you do not have to tie anything except a clinch knot all the way down. Um, and then I like to take a small piece of usually a three X tippet, and uh, I'll tie that three X tippet to the other side of the barrel swivel. 
put a little overhand on it, and that's where I will place my split shot. Mm-hmm. So that way, if the split shot gets caught caught in the rocks, which typically that is what's getting snagged, right. in, in my opinion, um, is the shot. When you yank on it and you lose it, it's just the shot that comes off as opposed to the whole rig. Yeah, the whole rig, and then you can just, you know, tie on another tag end and apply more apply more split shot. Um, if I am... And, and the other thing, too, you can use that same formula, like, if the water's low and clear. So, so most typically, I'm using that 0x and then usually to the barrel swivel and then usually, like, about a foot to 18 inches of 1x to the first fly and then typically about 12 inches or so of 2x fluoro from the uh, first fly to the second fly. However, if the water's really super low and clear, you can downsize that whole thing. You know, so like uh, I'll give you an example. Like when I fish in Ohio, typically that's the that's the leader setup because the river's a little bit bigger than Pennsylvania, um, and even in New York, uh, uh, other than a few exceptions, um, the river's a little bit larger on average, and, and usually a little bit deeper too. Um, however, when you go to Elk Creek or Walnut Creek or Twenty Mile Creek, like in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Those rivers are a little bit shallower, you know, they're obviously a lot smaller. Um, so you might want to consider going from, you know, a 1x to a 2x down to a 3x, right? Or a 2 down to a 3 down to even a 4 um, at times when it's when it's extremely low and clear. I do feel like these fish get, get line shy, especially when they've been in the, in the rivers for a little while. Do you find that different systems have different, like, size fish? Um, or you, just, you ever find like just monsters in small streams? I have um, plenty of monsters in the small streams. Um, there is a little creek. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hotspot it, but uh, I'll we'll, get, we'll just say it's the Potomac River. Yeah, <laughs> but somewhere on the Great Lakes. Yeah, it's uh, it's near Presque Isle. I'll give you a hint. It's near Presque Isle State Park. It's one of one of many. Streams uh, in Presque Isle State Park. If Throw a here, dart, you've got a better chance of landing on it. Than yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it's a really tiny thing. I mean, I mean that stream might be might be fifteen feet across. I was like the Pierre Marquette. It was yeah. that tiny, and I'm like, yeah. I can't imagine steelhead going through this crystal clear water. Yeah, this shallow and narrow. Yeah, I mean it's a small stream, and um, it gets it gets a run of steelhead every year that. That is uh, that is massive. Now I won't uh, I won't do anything other than try to catch them on a dry fly um, in that stream. Dry fly, steelhead. Yeah, you can uh, you can you can catch steelhead on a dry fly. I, uh, Mr. Rapidan. That would that would be a good fly. That would actually be a great fly. For me. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah Mr. Rapidan would be a wonderful. I'm, I haven't I haven't tried it. Mostly I'm uh, I've tried like uh, stimulators, you know, and. Um, not a ton of success, but I've caught some. You know, I've caught some on dry flies. I could probably count on one hand how many. But uh, you know, I also haven't put a ton of a ton of time in it. Um, I learned about it. Uh, Walt, actually, actually, believe it or not, Turnpike Walt. He's a. a the god of all steelhead, the, I was the expecting, steelhead whisperer. When you show me a picture, I was expecting some guy like a World War II vet, 
Some old dude no. in like black and red flannel, <laughs> with like the hat from the kid from Pete and Pete. <laughs> but he was like, like around our age. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but you know, he's a uh, he's a good dude. Man. I was expecting like some like the end of the river runs through it. Yeah, I was expecting that to be turnpike ball. <laughs> Like he actually built the turnpike. I, I, I'm convinced that that turnpike wall catches more steelhead than any human being I've ever I've ever known. I mean, he's just like on the river every day, um, and he knows where they are and when they're there. And, um, and he calls me with updates. He was just on elk uh, earlier this week and had a good day. And he caught over 20 fish. Damn. So Elk Creek's got them. They're there. Um, so the 800,000 anglers should, should be there too, I'd imagine. Right. Pretty soon. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what were we talking about? Leaders? So you're at leaders, uh, sinking now. I covered like the floating line. All right. So we covered the floating stuff. Um, so that's how you would nymph. You would, you would use a system, leader system kind of like that with an indicator. Um, so if I'm throwing swinging and or stripping streamers, um, if I were to do that on that same single hand rod, okay. if I were to take my seven weight, ten foot seven weight or nine foot seven weight rod, do you have a name there, for your ten foot seven? I don't have a name. No, should I should I be Is naming it a lady? My, should I be naming my rods? I don't know. I've never named them. That's interesting. No. No, I have two. Uh, I got two ten foot sevens. I got a. I got a Sage, and I have an Orvis H2 um, that are my two primary steelhead jobs, but no names. I'll have to... How about Siskel and Ebert? <laughs> Does one have a thumb up? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so... Streamer fishing, swing, or strip, uh, I like to throw a poly leader on a single hand rod. Um. The only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex. Built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design, an interchangeable rock-solid clamp. Nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primrose. Rio makes them, Morvis makes them. Uh, I'm sure other manufacturers have them too. Um, they're a polymer-coated leader that sinks quickly. Um, it's kind of neat. You don't need uh, another leader. You just pull that thing out of the package you tie a perfection loop in the end of it there's like a little monofilament core that comes out uh, and then you just tie a perfection loop in about 24 inches of tippet loop it on tie your fly on and then off you go there you go, there you go. Uh, if it's if I'm taking my switch rod or my spay stuff out there and on the Great Lakes usually like I got a couple um I have a switch rod. I got a, what is it, like an 11-foot, 7-weight. Yeah, one 11-foot, 7-weight switch rod. Um, and I got a 12-foot, 8-weight switch rod as well. Um, and then a good spay rod for it would be um, 
you know, you could really use on the Great Lakes. I think you can use. I've had no need. I've got fourteen foot nine weight in the basement. That's pretty big. I no. I inherited it from somebody. Yeah. I, if he shows up at my door, he can have it back. But that's thirteen years now. Yeah, I've been waiting for him to pick it up. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it doesn't get used. I really think on most of the streams, at least from you know, at least from um, there might be a couple example exceptions in Michigan, but I would say like. Between Ohio and Pennsylvania and New York, um, Indiana, all of those rivers you can probably fish anywhere from a 12-foot, 5-weight spay rod, um, you know, maybe to like a 13-foot, 7-weight. I I doubt you'd really need anything bigger than than that. Um, You know, some people have 13.5-foot, 8-weights out there, but... And when you're swinging and not stripping in, you don't ice up as fast. One thing I've learned. I have learned that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're. I, I don't know if it's just you're not putting as much water into right. the into the guides. Yeah. Um, but so even with that, even with that being said, um, I'm still I'm still using floating systems. You know, so uh, I like I like the Skagit heads a lot better. I think they're a lot easier to cast. So for beginner spay fishermen, um, a general rule would be like the longer the belly of the line, the more difficult it is to learn how to cast it. Um, there's some advantages to longer bellied spay lines. Skagit's being one of the shorter the shorter of the, the spay lines. Um, but I like the Skagit because I feel like I can turn over the most weight with it. Um, I feel like it's pretty simple to cast, and you do not, because most of the casts are, are waterborne, meaning that it's the tension of the water and the line, that, that friction relationship that's actually loading the rod. Because most of those casts are waterborne, the D-loops do not have to be very large, like, you know, like you know, you large D-loops with, with single spays and snake rolls and things like that with uh, Scandi lines. With a, with a Skagit line, you know, when you're doing, you know, snap tees and whatnot, it's the, the D-loop's fairly small. So you don't have to have a lot of room behind you, which is which is good. Have you seen salmon fishing in the Yemen? Uh, I have not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> a right-handed snake roll is good for getting an assassin to drop his gun. Is that, is that right? <laughs> guy wraps around his arm and he drops his gun. Is this a good movie? Have we, have we seen what do what, what, what you on a scale of 1 to 10 <laughs> there's nothing else on it's okay the salmon it were CGI CGI salmon well they're in the Yemen right good, good, <laughs> good call yeah <laughs> watching uh, Game of Thrones nice lately yes. oh, yeah yeah getting into it man never thought I'd be into the I uh, do like a good Dornish wine yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, they have instead of what we had tonight. They have Winterfeld chili. <laughs> we had uh, Skyline chili. Everyone, did you, did you tell them that? You no, we had a full on Ohio meal. Yeah, buddy. Let's describe what it is. To Skyline right. chili. Oh, it's yeah. uh, chili over spaghetti, a little cheese on top, and we get it in the can. We either get it shipped here or uh, we have my father in law bring it. It makes the filthiest chili dog. Our uh, our good friend Holt. Accidentally left a bottle of McAllen 12 yeah, Highland is, Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. It's 12 years old. 
and uh, he might not get it back. <laughs> mm, it's so sweet. Wow, that is good. That is good. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, so uh, back to floating. Do you use indicators at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have yeah. a brand preference? Always, always, always. If um, if I'm if I'm throwing nymphs there, I'm I'm not. For whatever reason, there's this concept out there of like tight lining for steelhead, and I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where that where that came from. Like steelhead do not sit in places where trout live to eat nymphs. So this whole concept of like. Oh, I'm going to get a switch rod so I can, because it's longer, so I can high stick for steelhead. I'm not, I don't really know where that comes from. I suspect that people are just flossing fish off of their beds with it, which is, which is the act of, you know, finding spawning fish and then just drifting a fly spawning fish that do not are not interested in eating your fly and going to their reds and just drifting a fly into their mouths basically um i I don't know i don't know if that's what what people are referring to but um you know typically when i think of of like european style nymphing for for trout or high stick nymphing or whatever you know, however George Daniel likes to describe it, he's, he's, coming, if, if, he's pretty good at it. Talking to George, if I can get my Skype podcasting thing back up, we're gonna have a big talk with George. But yeah, I was uh, BSing with him at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. Um, great guy, no, very very smart dude, knows his yeah. stuff. Um, but those fish, you know, typically, you know, those trout typically live in you know water where where they have access readily to food that is that is coming down you know the river so you find them in faster moving um well oxygenated water that that concentrates nymphs um steelhead are not typically in those places um you know they move through those places but but they stage and they stop and they rest in pea-sized gravel well so that's where they spawn okay is on pea-sized gravel Right, but that's typically very far upstream. That's where they're going. That's where they're heading. When you're catching them, typically they're on their way to try to find that pea-sized gravel. Um, they're coming in from out of the lake, and and they have one thing on their mind, and that is to do their do their business. You know, so they want to go spawn. They want to go. You know, the males want to fertilize the eggs. Um, so they're trying to get as far upstream as they can to find that that pea-sized gravel. Um, so they're not really interested in eating. You know, I've I'm not a biologist, but I've done a lot of like research into it, and uh, only George Costanza wants to eat while copulating. Yeah, <laughs> the salami sandwich. Right, right. Um, Pastrami is the most. Uh, Rob, you're. It's. What did George say? It was. Pastrami is the most seductive of meats, or something like that. Got a leaky tomato. Yeah, here tomatoes are bad. I think that's going to go back here. to the compost. Yeah. The benefit of com- tomatoes in the compost pile back there is that next year they all just grow out of the compost pile. Really? Half our tomatoes and peppers. We have an avocado over there. There's weird stuff that grows all over the house. Like the squirrels will drop tomatoes. There's tomato plants all over our yard. Uh, we didn't plant them. 
Huh. Interesting. Because I think it's just gooey. Um, I put, forgot what we were. put a firecracker in that, but Donovan <laughs> will come out blazing. Uh, who knows? Uh, what were we talking about? Gravel. Yeah, so they're not eating when they're getting it on. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I really don't think they're eating much at all, to be honest. You know, um, I've pumped the stomachs with a turkey baster of, of quite a few steelhead. In my day, you didn't I, use that to on turkey later, did you? No, I didn't. When I when I first started out, Your mom I was like, I was going to yeah. base a turkey. <laughs> like I had to go to the store. Where is it? Arts like blushing. Yeah. Hunt is back. yeah. When I first started out, I was really curious about like what they what they were eating. So I carried around this turkey baster, um, which around here people would look at you as if you were weird. But in Cleveland, that's just that's just common commonplace sort of activity. Um. And I would, I would, you know, pump the stomachs of those things, and you know, I found very little. It's like the snakeheads. We gutted very, them up at Chain Bridge, empty. Very little, man. You know, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, I, you know, I don't see them eating. I mean, I've watched steelhead for countless hours, you know, and and um, they just they're not they're not really eating. When they first come into the tributaries, they do bust like emerald shiners and stuff like that. You will see that. Um, on the lower stretches of the river quite often. And, in fact, like, you know, I could I could have, you know, some pretty good days just going in the very beginning of the season down to the mouth of certain rivers and uh, uh, stripping, like, little clousers and stuff. And I would catch them. I would catch them. And guys would catch them on spoons, you know. Uh, bait fishermen or spin fishermen would catch them on spoons. And uh, bait fishermen would catch them dead drifting, salted minners. And uh, various other things. Um, Did you do a lot of beach fish? You know, Jerry Dark Darkies, Darkus, Darkus. Yeah. He talks about that. Yeah, Jerry's really got that dialed in. Um, we're uh, Jerry and I are from a similar neighborhood, um, both west West Side Clevelanders, um, West Side, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then. Um, yeah, Jerry was really into that, and uh, as was Jeff Lesquet, uh, who's another another Ohio guy. Um, I did some, you know, I, I did some. Um, it was was very difficult. I read Jerry's book. I'm sure Jerry's got a lot more experience than I do with it, um, but uh, it was pretty hard, you know. So basically, the name of that game was you find it tributary um and you walk the beach you know very near it when the fish were staging getting ready to um you know go up the river and or you were fishing for drop back fish that were leaving the the tributary heading back into the lake um i found it to be pretty difficult but i will say this the fish that i did catch doing that from the beach were some of the most the more memorable ones when they get into open water like that, and they're and they're so fresh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the what was uh, the color on those? Yeah, they were silver. So so the ones I never got. I think I might have had one or two fish that were drop back fish. Were like kind of like while I was caught them while I was fishing for smallmouth. You know, fishing for the lake run smallmouth right. off, off, like, off the all beach. Of a sudden, yeah, I got I got a steelhead. Um, but the ones that were, you know, kind of the preseason guys were uh, were dime bright. I mean, 
dime, dime bright steelhead. Um, and yeah, they were filled with piss and vinegar and had all the room in the world to run around. And, um, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And you can see them at times too. Like there's places in Ohio, um, in the Cleveland area where there are some beaches that have like these, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, jetties or break, what are yeah. those, you know? Like a jetty. Yeah, like a jetty, you know, you can walk out on the jetty. and um, some They keep of, the sand from shifting. They block the flow of sand up Oh, is up that what beach. that's for? At least on the Atlantic they do. Huh. Um, but you could walk out on those, those jetties, and if you found a beach that was near, um, you know, tributaries, um, you could see sometimes if the, if the water was clear and the weather was nice. You could see the steelhead staging up, getting ready to run. That's crazy into the yeah into the into the tributary. Um, and I feel like I feel like a lot of times they were they were out of casting range, you know, which made it difficult. The wind obviously played a part, yeah. and as did the uh, as did the the chop and the waves. Um, but I never tried it. I never tried it from a boat. Never once did I ever put a boat in the water or think about doing a kayak, and, and that was interesting because uh, I read about that in Jerry's Jerry's book, and that's um, what's the name of Jerry's book? Uh, it's Inland Oceans. Yeah, yeah, fly fishing the inland inland oceans. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, I did a lot of that for smallmouth, and we're talking big smallmouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I truthfully think that like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love steelhead, but I think that that's that's what Lake Erie is known for. You know, is the is the smallmouth fishing. I was just reading an article recently about like the top ten places in the world to go smallmouth fishing, and Lake Erie was was on that was on that list. Um, I mean, I kid you not, man. I mean, there's there's places where you will if you catch 20 fish one of them is 4 pounds oh good yeah. heavens man yeah I mean it's and there are plenty of 5 five and 6 pound fish to be caught um in in Lake Erie live in the wrong place absolutely except for the shad um what else? So flies. You mentioned your uh, your pink lady. Yeah, I like the pink lady. I like the white woolly bugger. Uh, should people be buying flies at the shops they go to, like local specialties, versus like buying them down here and headed up? Uh, you know, I think. Um, you know, I don't know that it matters. Uh, again, I mean, I, I think there's probably every now and then you'll find a hidden gem at a at a local fly shop. Um, the kind of the caveat with that is like I feel like sometimes especially when you're fishing really pressured water when you go and you buy the local favorite fly the fish have seen a million of them you know what I mean um, and you know they might have been hooked various times and I think uh, I think when the, the fish see the same you know chartreuse glow bug float down the river a hundred times they're going to stop there. right they're going to lose interest. Like, oh, in that's it. an uncle one. Uh, that's Orvis. Uh, <laughs> that's an FC. Um, 
But, you know, I don't know that it matters. I think it's it's definitely good to support your local fly shops. Um, I think that... Uh, I think fly selection is not extremely important with steelhead. I, I really think that uh, it's like the presentation and... Um, I've caught them on cigarette butts before. Yeah, I have. I've, I've, uh, I've had a few couple days where we were just so damn good that we like wanted to see what we couldn't get them to eat. I want to do that with our trip this year. Who can tie the ugliest fly yeah. and catch a fish? Catch on a it. fish on it. Uh, there's. Um, How you know, it's it's amazing what works. You know, it's amazing what works. I was catching stone them on shad flies. flies last yeah, year. yeah, stone fly nymphs. You should use the shad flies are perfect for it. Um, hey Jones, Doctor Jones has joined Dr. us. Jones, he's actually been quiet for the first time today. <laughs> uh, how many flies should someone take up? I mean, I lose yeah. a lot. Of yeah, flies. I would I would take up quite a few, man. I think that um, your breath stinks, dude. I think that you need to be losing flies to catch fish. You need to be snagging the bottom. To know that you're down there. To know that you're down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I use up a lot of flies when I steal that fish. I really do. Um, so I would have a good, you know, if you're going for a few days or something, you, you better have a whole box of flies you know, filled up. And, uh, I think uh, I think you'd have a good selection of streamers that look like small bait fish. I think you should have some stone fly nymphs. I think that you should have some really small nymphs, like variations of pheasant tails and you know, things like that. Your trout stuff will work great, you know. Um, and and uh, you know, in case the water's really low or really clear, um, I think you should have a selection of various kinds of egg patterns and all sorts of different colors. You like McFly foam versus egg versus like a beet egg. What uh, about the actual pegged <coughs> eggs? Okay, cool. So uh, when I'm tying, I like McFly foam. When I'm purchasing glow bugs, I actually like the way that the manufactured egg yarn the commercial egg perfectly round yeah Every per- time. exactly like, I don't look like how that. do you I know right um, uh, so that's for glow bugs I guess uh, when you tie like 300 a day yep they're, they're just they're look just, good they're just great at it you gotta love those Kenyan kids man they are just amazing little fingers yep um, so I think that uh, I think that I think McFly foam's great like if you're a tire I definitely recommend using the McFly foam and the straw method right uh, you can look that up on, on YouTube. That's how I do it. Um, with my sucker spawn type patterns, I really like Antron. Uh, or, or is that what? No, Angora. I'm sorry. Angora. Ang- Angora, not Antron. Angora yarn. That's what I really like is the Angora yarn. I think that is the, the best. And I think that that, I, I should probably credit somebody for that. Pink Lady Fly. I don't know who's it well, is. Angora Carl, was Carl Waxelman or John Maggie, one of those guys. Back um, in the day, they just used straight up Angora chunks because you'd get ta- caught in the Atlantic salmon's teeth. Yeah, that's what I heard. They that. would just tie yeah, like just yeah, a right. chunk of that on right. and drag the fish in. But it's kind of uh, like gar fishing. Yeah, yeah. But but Angora yarn. I mean, it 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 works really well, you know. And you just look up the three loop Pink Lady, and you can tie that in all sorts of various colors. But it's kind of like. Uh, Chartreuse thread with the pink 
Angora is my favorite, yeah. but I'll do them in, in what size know, hook? Yokes. And, or what, what type of hook? Like? Uh, so I really like um, Orvis makes a uh, uh, like a what is it? It's like a shrimp scud hook. Curved shrimp you, scud. Yeah, curved shrimp scud. I really like that one uh, for that fly. Or they have an egg hook as well. Um, but I prefer the, the, the shrimp scud. Yeah. And usually I'm throwing like a, a 10, you know, most typically. Mm-hmm. If the water's really low, I might go down to a, to a 12. Um, the problem with anything below that is like those things will bend hooks. I mean, they will definitely bend hooks. It's um, okay, dude. It's but, you know, I mean, I've fished down as low as, you know, 14. But I know guys that have fished, you know, 16, 18 flies for for steelhead to catch them in, in really low, clear, pressured water. Particular fly box you like better than others that you recommend? Mm-mm. Something with floats with your name on it? Yeah, I like, I like it. It's got to float, and it's got to be clear for me. I love clear, and I love floating, but, um, oh, you know. I, mean, there's, I, I won't spend a lot of money on a fly box. I tear them to pieces, man. Um, I drop them on the ground, bust them up, I scratch them, scrape them. Um, these new tacky boxes are really nice. Yeah. Those are really nice. Uh, I feel like the, uh, the, the tacky boxes, because you can just kind of back the hooks up into all the the slots there and I like that they're really thin um, that I can see through them and that they that they float they're magnetized <laughs> so uh, go go with that I just I just bought one of those so I'm, I'm real excited about yeah, it man. I haven't even got it out in the water yet so let's talk about now like the, the gear you need not, the non-terminal tackle like breathables versus neoprenes do people still wear neoprenes Unless they're doing so, budget, because they're some people still wear uh, still wear neoprenes um, in the winter months. They're warm. Um, they do not breathe very well. You can't like match the boot you want to it. Yeah, that's the that's the tough part. That's the tough part. Um, I would recommend breathables. Uh, I have I have used all manners of. Um, Waiters and base layers and boots and yada 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 yada. Um, <clears throat> so I like breathables because I like the versatility of them. They dry pretty quickly as well. Um, I think that um, I think you know again just get the best the best waiters that that, that you can afford. Um, <clears throat> there are all kinds of great manufacturers out there now. Uh, Sims makes some phenomenal stuff. Orvis, Patagonia. Um, there's some other waiter brands out there. Uh, see, Drift is like kind of a new yeah, company. New one. Uh, Hodgman. Yeah, Cho- Choda. Choda, that's one, right? Yeah, they, they just do boots. They do waiters. They do waiters, yeah. There's a bunch of them. Um, I think they're all pretty good. Get, you know, spend the money on one that's not going to tear easily. Yeah, what, yeah. The, the, or, the Sonic scene, I mean, it's just... <clears throat> I like the Sonic seams. I didn't yeah. wear mine for since we filmed Urban Lines. Oh wow! It's going on like four plus years, and they're still uh, still wearing the same pair. No leaks. Nothing. Wow. Well, no issues. 
Yeah, that's good. Four mile run, they come out, they stink, but you put them in the sun for an hour or so. Good to go. Kills yeah, that good to awful. Go. No, I um I I I personally uh, I really like them. I have a pair of um, Orvis Guide Pro weight or Guide waders. The, the previous ones? No, these ones are out now. Oh, the Sonic Pros. The Sonic Pros. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I want that. that. The hand pouch on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. So we're to put because when you're swinging, you don't yeah. need both hands. You don't need both hands, and it's good to let you keep your gloves in there and everything yeah. else. Um, so, the waiter straps are pretty cush on that. Yeah, nice waiter straps, nice yoke on the back. Um, so I have a pair of those, and then I also have a, a pair of the the convertible top Sonic scene jobs, and those are uh, it's great because I kind of wear the like the guides in the in the winter months I found a pair of the Orvis zippers at one of the shops along Pier Marquette I was like that might oh, be the yeah. last pair of the in, no in I, I think there's some around still I mean they're they're still selling some on online all right when not you know some people love those they think people think they're real convenient yeah um, especially if you gotta take a leak if you got it you know what though man here's the thing that's what I love about my uh, my convertibles is I can slide them down and I can yeah, I can I can slide them down far enough that uh, can you know make it make it happen. I got the Orvis bibs though, so you gotta like pull the zipper up. Oh yeah, <laughs> Orvis, they're so comfortable. <laughs> That's what Tom used to wear like in gas stations. He would just wear like a pair of who uh, my buddy uh, Tom. Oh, <laughs> he would just walk and I remember some girls like I like your pajamas. Like the last <laughs> guy, he's like because they have a zipper for your wallet. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. would walk around. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, you know, base layers. I think is the most important, most important aspect of, of, of the weighting. Um, I really prefer merino wool. You know, and I've tried it all, man. I've tried like the the capoline and the polyester fleece and this and that and the other, and I've tried. Um, regular old lamb's wool and I really think that that you should be layering both tops and bottoms with mm-hmm. with merino wool and then in extremely poor conditions a thicker weighting pan and a second wool layer as well uh, I think that wool is just the most versatile you know warmth to weight ratio I really like merino um I mean, it's obviously that it wicks moisture. It's antimicrobial. Um, it's very warm. You should never be wearing any cotton product. Kills. Yeah, underneath your underneath your waders. Um, you know, nylons and polyesters, as long as they're breathable, they're, they're, those are those are okay. I think the best choice is uh, is the wool in the cold cold conditions. Um, Icebreaker is my favorite kind of price point. Um, for the money, I really like Icebreaker. However, uh, Arteryx makes some good stuff. Uh, Smart Wool makes some... Not those old-school, white, cotton, waffly-looking jobs. That no, no. Ellie Warren uh, E.T. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what... A lot what of people was still... wearing those? I'm like, dude, you can't be wearing it out <laughs> yeah. of the river, man. That's... Yeah, yeah. yeah they go to... Uh, people go to Walmart, and they get the, the uh, Long Johns. Yeah. I got a pair of long johns. I got a couple pairs of. I got three pairs of them on. Nope. Seventeen pairs of socks. <laughs> uh, same with socks, man. You know, merino wool. The Orv. I, I wear the Orvis Bootfoot three pack merino wool. 
Yep, yep. He'd shoot a hole in one of them, play the tug of war. The big but gray ones? Yeah, yeah that's what, I have those too. That's what I'm wearing. That's all I wear. Even like in the summer. Like today was up to upper 70s. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine wearing those. So you wear those just around the house and stuff? I don't own, I will never own a pair of white cotton tube socks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know. Uh, I have business. the uh, I have the Orvis uh, Invincible extras yeah. that I I rock those out uh, quite often, just as my daily. I love those socks, man. Made in Vermont. If someone's listening and has merino wool compression socks, because those, yeah. Yeah, 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 those will work. Those, I love these compression socks. Yeah, absolutely, those will work just fine. Um, but any, I think any pair of wool socks is is, yeah. is the point here. Any, any wool. No need for those old school white no. poly pro liners. No, no. I think I just threw mine out. No, recently I cleaned out the. I don't. Space. I don't think so. I think that uh, there are times when it's extremely, extremely cold. Like you know, the water is damn near freezing. Uh, shelf ice. Yeah, shelf ice. I will put on you know, two what, pairs. What's up with shelf ice? If you live in uh, the Caribbean and you're listening. Shelf ice is so. Shelf ice is like the river starts to freeze on the sides of the banks, and so basically it creates like a little shelf where you'll have a run of of water in the middle of the river in a certain part of the river, but the banks themselves are actually frozen, and you can you can actually walk out onto the ice a little bit. And then, you know, go fishing. So the, it's like, basically, it's the, the bank of the river is frozen solid, and the ice has creeped out into the water a little bit. It just breaks off and floats right. down and knocks you over. Right. The problem is, is that it can, it can in fact, be dangerous. I have been on the river um, in the winter months more than once, where a section of that shelf ice has cracked off. Uh, because of, you know, maybe it was a warm day or whatever, and there was some thawing. Or some, some jabroni melting. walking across it. Some jabroni walking across it, exactly. And uh, uh, it cracks off and floats down the river, and some of them are as large as the foundation of your home. You yeah, know, I mean, if you're not paying attention, that thing knocks you right in your knee. Right, you could be, you could potentially get yeah. drowned or get knocked down the river, so you, you do have to... You do have to be careful. You do have to be careful. Um, I wouldn't consider the. Uh, you got to drink this. Okay. Um, I wouldn't consider the, the Great Lakes steelhead fishing to be dangerous if you're intelligent about what you're doing. I do think that hypothermia is is a risk if you fall in and you're not prepared. Um, you know, there are some places on the. On the Rocky River, for instance, in Ohio, and on the Cuyahoga, where I've walked eight, nine miles from a car, you know, um, you know, and if, you know, and, and there are places on these rivers where you can, some of them, where you can walk really far on a river, but you can't get out because the, sh- the shale... I shale walls. Yeah, you got some crazy geology and topography in Ohio. Yeah, there is. I was not expecting those walls when I got there. No, so Ohio used to be under an ocean long, 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 you know, ago. I don't know how many years. I'm not a geologist. 10,000. But uh, is that is that 
Yeah, that was the last Ice Age. Yeah, that was the last podcast. We, we learned about the driftless area for Max. Oh, right on. Cool. Um, Max is my neighbor up the street. So, yeah, so it used to be underneath an ocean, right? And, like, that, those shale walls, right, in between that shale is fossils. So that's, like, in the abyss, the movie, like, when they go down to those. Yeah, so the, there's, like, this giant species that they found called, like, the Delunca Dunkasaurus or something. It's, like, this giant shark-eating, armored, plated fish they found in the shale at the, at the Rocky River, and it was, like, I don't know how long it was, but it would, would have, like, eaten Jaws, you know. Nice. Yeah, they said they would have ate, like, giant sharks. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, so, so there's, you know, these giant shale bluffs all over, you know, it, some of those. It's constantly crumbling. Yeah, it is. You think Jawas are up there. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just, is. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, pieces just break off. They do. They fall down. You know, you got to be careful driving around on the Metro Parks roads and stuff. And, you know, there's always, like, little rock slides and, and nice. things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about boots? What kind of traction should we be having? Uh, I what, think, what about felt in the winter? Is that a good idea? No felt. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a felt fan. <laughs> uh the uh, the felt in the winter thing is, and people still, I still see this happening to people. So if you wear felt boots in the snow, what will happen is, is like you'll step into water, and then the felt freezes when you get out of the water, and then you like step in the snow. You got pimp shoes. Yeah, and then the snow freezes to the felt, and it's like you. It's like you're walking on giant platforms. Yeah, giant platforms of ice. Like if you, and I'm gonna get you, sucker. You see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Shoes with the goldfish in them. Right, exactly. So yeah, no felt. Um, Felt's bad. I I don't. I don't. Like, let's just get into that whole felt rubber thing. I've never felt. (laughs) I fell down a a flight of stairs in Rocky Mountain National Park and felt because the steps were wet and I slipped and I had no traction. I twisted my knee. Do you remember when Jim Carrey is running out to get on the airplane to give uh, Mary Swanson her briefcase? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, falls yeah, yeah. his leg. Yeah. He's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, my wife comes down the stairs. She's like, what happened? I'm like, felt boots. Yeah, I just I just don't see the advantage. Like, right? So the problem with the felt is, like, you can't get out. You can't get... You get no traction, like, on a muddy bank or... I or, got stuck at... Um, you can't get out. Okay, I'm gonna use like, the paper here. This yeah. is the slope. Maybe it was like this. Not any inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't get off the riverbank in my felt because I, it was muddy. Yeah, you just I mean, can't. It was maybe like a six <laughs> inch like increase in elevation. It, it was at Dickerson. Yeah, right, I couldn't yeah. get out. Yeah, yeah. Dickerson like, walked like a mile down river, and so I, I'm talking like. <laughs> it would have been hilarious to film that. <laughs> Last time we were out there, though, Holt watched me eat it. I fell down. And I, I think they smell. I think they're smelly when you when you put them in the back of your truck or whatever. I I think you need to clean them more. I don't. Maybe they, they wear out faster too. They, I think they wear out faster. I think that you know some some people are saying now that they're transferring. Aquatic parasites from one watershed to another, and that you know, I mean, I have opinions about that too. Like, because I think that birds do it more. Yeah, I think that like animals and bilge water from boats and stuff. But I just don't see. I really do see zero advantage to them. I really do. I think that that if you get good fibrum, 
soles on your on your boots, and, and a lot of boots come with them now. Uh, I just um, ordered new Corker's the big Corker rubber with the big stud. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like the. Uh, I tripped on a salmon last year. <laughs> I fell in. I like punctured my hand. Oh, man. I'm going like big studs this year. Big ones. Yeah. I like those uh, tungsten carbide ones. Those four point. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Those are a lot I, of surface area. Yeah, I feel like a lot of surface area. I feel like they're soft. I feel like they they flex and move a little bit. I heard the aluminum bars. Tore. If you step on your fly line, your fly line's done. Really? Oh, you, oh, got is that like, the uh, that's is that Patagonia's new? Yeah, Corkers has. I saw new. those at the show. People I saw do like the, homemade the versions. The bar, so they'll cut your. I heard like if you step on fly line, it just squashes and slices it. Every single fly line I own has got a nick in it somewhere, probably because of my studs <laughs> stepping on them. But I just uh, usually I just zap a gap it. We'll zap a gap done. Um, so no felt, yeah. Rubber. I, I like the rubber and the and the. Right, let's let's go about your tungsten, boa. Tungsten carbide. Do you, do you like the boas? Uh, the grips? No, the bo- the, the dial. Bo- oh, the bo- all right. Here's my thing on the. On Why the- don't we just have right, big Velcro straps? Here's the Velcro straps. Like like old Velcro shoes. Do those well, work in the water? Probably. Oh, actually, you know what? I know they work in the water because the Orvis. Uh, Flats boots. Uh, yeah, the flats boots. The Andros flats boots had that Velcro. And then you can adjust like the way you go up your foot, how tension you want it. That sounds like a great. Maybe idea. one day it'll be like the um, Back to the Future, like self lacing wading boot. Somehow. <laughs> I like the Velcro idea. That's. I wonder how that would work. You'd be getting flies all stuck in it. Yeah. I have I have flies in like a lot of I have like zebra midges in like laces of my but boots. I do like <laughs> from, like for like getting snagged. I'll take Velcro my own lace. to like brush out a streamer. Yo, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, stuff. dude. If yeah. I got Velcro on me. I'm like, here we go. I have uh, I have strips of Velcro wrapped around pencils. Oh yeah, for like, yeah, that's my dubbing brushes in my fly time in my fly time kit uh, stuff. I wrapped it wrap it around the back of a pencil, the sticky side. Um. So, what were we? What were you talking about again? Boots, felt, laces Boots, versus felt. boa. Oh, laces versus boa. So, the boa. All right, I've been selling them now for a while because Orvis has a has a, a really nice, really nice boa system. Um. So it's like the boa pivot, pivot boot, really nice boot, and then we have the access boot, which is like a really similar boot, just without. It's just regular laces as opposed to the boa system. Yeah. So, I have personally never owned a BOA system boot, but I'm a little, like a little, you know, my personal opinion on it is like I'm a little nervous about it, because I keep, I have extra laces that I keep in my my sort of waiting kit, in case I break a lace. I'm wondering with that BOA, like... And I've never had one returned yet, which is cool. So I've never had somebody bring one back, which is which is nice. And I sell quite a few of them because they're convenient. But, you know, like what if it, you know, breaks? You're kind of like done for the day. Or if you're in the middle. Unless, well, they, they have actually, yeah, I guess they have like, uh, I guess they have, they do have replacement kits now yeah. that you can get. Oh, I've had to buy one. Have you? Yeah, my first pair of Corker's got like I want to see it was the, 
the fine sand particles in Fort Mile just got in there and clogged it up. But I've been wearing the Devil's Canyon for three seasons now, and no, no problem. Oh, so comfortable. I'm gonna stay with my laces, man. You know, I mean, it's just we've been we've had the, the sh- shoelace technology. I think is just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't change. Tie it up. Doesn't change. I've got like 30, the same way. <laughs> Thirty pairs of boot laces downstairs. If you need some, yeah, yeah from I'm Australia. Good. I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just ride that shoelace yeah. thing out, man. You know, I feel like it's like a fine wine. You know, it gets better with age. Just good old, good old fashioned shoelaces. You can always go to the gas station and probably yeah, find a pair. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're always, you know, they're always accessible and available. You know, uh, what if that boa? What, what if it? What if it like breaks while the boot's on? Your boot falls off and drifts away. I've seen that happen with no, he was like, back like in what the if? Day. What if it's like like cranked all the way down and then it breaks? With it? Then you got to like find some wire cutters, <laughs> get yeah. your boot off. You know, and then what if it what if it pops? And you don't have the replacement kit, and you can't you know. Or if you do have to have a replacement kit, now you got to sit down, you got to go through an instruction manual, figure out how to replace your dial wire on the stream. Right. I don't know, but I, I've never I, I am yet to see a customer bring a pair back because it it broke. So I want some sneakers with them. I don't I don't <laughs> run. But I wouldn't mind just like a pair of. I want to know when we're going to get wading boots with the pumps. Yeah. Remember back in the day when when you could pump oh, up yeah. your shoe, you know, on those little little basketball the shoes. Pump, 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 pump. Yeah, that's what I want. Or and lights. You can wade in the dark. Yeah, you can wade in the dark. <laughs> It'd be like those cars that used to have the lights underneath them. <laughs> See where you're going. Headlights on the toe. Headlights on the toe there lights. You go. There toe we lights. <laughs> start writing this down <laughs> alright so let's talk about some of the other gear like uh, what about nets Do you, you said I think in the last one you don't net you grab the tail I, I don't I'm a, I'm a tailor I, I grab the tail man how long did it take tiger, you to, tiger by the tail buddy how long did it take you to, a long time <laughs> like, see, I'm always nervous in the Salmon so, River I lost so many fish before I figured it out there's so many fish in the Salmon River that have flies stuck in them I'm scared I'm going to grab one one day that's going to hook me and, like, a 15-pound fish is going to flop away with my hand attached to it. I've never thought about that. That's it scares the crap yeah, out of me. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I've, I've always, had, like, uh, smallmouth. Yeah. Like, uh, when I used to use, like, uh, rooster tails on my spinning rod, yeah. like, they would flop around, and I'd get one of those stuck in my thumb, and the fish would be flopping. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never had that happen. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it could. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I tail them. I, I think that, you know, the, the net that you would have to carry would have to be so big. big. I mean, it, it's got to be it's got really, really big. Man. There's the pictures in the shop that have Lee Wolf with that, like, tail snare. Yeah. Like, he's for catching the dogs. Where's that thing? I want one Bring of those. Bring that back. Yeah. That would be perfect. I know what you're talking about. I mean, you're not, you know, scraping slime off the whole body. No, you can just you can just you could probably make one of those. Yeah, like with a rope, like some sort PVC of PVC pipe. Little yeah, just a PVC pipe, like a little slip knot job kind yeah. of thing in there. Grab his We're tail. Practice on you, Doctor Jones. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Snow? Um, those landing gloves uh, work pretty well. I I, uh, I use that this year um, for the cart in the canal. So we got last two, year, two days. If you if you're listening to this on time, it's too late, but. We got two days left to fish the canal for the year. Before for the uh, months, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, before they drain it. But we're good up up before... Uh, it's this weekend. Saturday. Yeah, but, but above, like, lock seven. Oh, right? you got a marital license. I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Georgetown because I can get a sandwich or falafel. Where do you get your falafels at, Georgetown? Uh, quick pita. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Lebanese, Pacific, and, or, uh, P Street and M, right across from Dean and DeLuca. It's a good oh, okay, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It's pretty There's, good. Uh, oh, man. And they roll it instead of, like, stuffing it. Me and uh, my buddy Lee Turkle, who, uh, he's got a sweet carp blog called uh, Mr. Brownliner, Ventures in the Brown Line. Awesome, awesome dude. You did and, pretty well uh, with him over the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, he came, he came into D.C. and uh, got him on a nice goldfish, <laughs> big giant goldfish. But uh, we did the, the mulberry stuff yeah. on the canal and we went into some place in Georgetown man and had some pork belly oh good god I love so pork belly it's good stuff right up it's there it's amazing man. there's a good ramen joint right down the street that loads up with pork belly Home really De- Home Depot on 50 yeah there's a ramen next to Banchan right on yeah love yeah. me some pork belly man um alright what are we talking about we're talking about nets about nets uh, yeah nets I, I don't know I don't know I mean I just I just I think the size of the net that you need is so damn big that it just sucks carrying it. I think you should learn to tail the fish. Well, beaching them is kind of... But, oh, yeah, yeah. I used that, that landing glove this right. year for carp. You just grab them? In, in, in the canal, because you can't... It's the same problem with the carp in the canal. I mean, the the nets, you're I just... I hear L screaming next door. <laughs> Dom's putting his kids to bed with while his wife's like at work late. Good luck with that, D. But uh, yeah, that thing that that landing glove is 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 great. Right, I, I really like that thing. I mean, you grab the tail and it's like firm on there, and it doesn't like, apparently it doesn't harm the fish. Um, and then you just think it, put your hand in, rinse off, whatever. Yeah, that no, no 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 it doesn't uh, doesn't get oogie. No, I don't. I know always forget it, my where mine is. I don't know what what. Uh, but but I think the um, I, th- I think the net is. When you go, nobody has a net, right? I mean, how many nets do you see? Very few, I think. I mean, I pay, I bought one for Healing Waters trip. I paid like eighty bucks. Now, if I'm guiding, I'll take a net. Yeah, but that's different. But I've learned if you don't bring a net, you catch the fish. If you bring the net, nothing. This is like the Murphy's Law about it. <clears throat> I, I I do rock the net for trout, big time. I, I could have used I, one I lo- in Colorado. I love me, I love me net. And stuff. I, I lost so many big fish in Colorado because I didn't have a net. Were you out there with uh, uh, Justin Chavon? So he had a <laughs> that was a blast, man. I love that guy. That dude has that guy his just trout awesome. game is on, like sight casting, like size twenty twenty twos. Yeah, he's getting... trout like thirty feet away. Man, I remember. Uh, I remember when I first moved here, man. I uh, him and I went up and fished uh, it's beaver. Yeah, we fished beaver. You know, he's an awesome guy. I love yeah, him. he's. I mean. I'll have to go out there and visit him. The Dream Stream is right up the street from his house. I mean, granted, like an hour maybe, 40 minutes. Yeah, but, but, but still. You make a left out of his neighborhood and you're there. What an awesome dude, too. I've never seen a, 
anybody eat McDonald's parfaits for breakfast? <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> Um, so no net. What else? What, what, what else? What about it? Do you need a funny fishing hat or like a warm one? A warm one, man. Wind stopping. Um, dude, you know, here's the thing. It depends on where you are, right? Like, like everybody immediately thinks that when they think of Great Lake Steelhead, they think of like, you're standing out there in mountains of snow and it is, but, but some places like Ohio, it's the best damn month of the year is March. I mean, I mean, it's March. Like, like the usually my best steelhead fishing day of the year was always used to be my birthday. It was March twenty first, end of March. I used to always catch the most steelhead on March twenty first. Um, so, so I would, uh, I would, uh, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I would say that it's not always. You know these frigid conditions. Right. Now you know March in Cleveland can still be cold. I I mostly <laughs> fish the salmon, and there's this like so that's like a fall run. You know, so Death Eater, yeah. Harry Potter, cold that just comes down yeah. the river. Yeah, that just sucks the heat and life out of you. Because <laughs> back before, when I started fishing, there weren't like buffs and net gators. I had this Redskins wool headband that came in the Washington Post in like '87, and I'd wear that on my neck to keep me warm. No man, I do. Um, I can't find my Under Armour hat. So I have a, I have an awesome icebreaker, like second layer, like wool, merino wool thing, and uh, it's got, you know, a neck job, and I zip that all the way up. Um, and I typically do a uh, like a wool uh, beanie that covers my ears. Um. And that's that's what I do, you know. That's what I do. Um, I think gloves uh, are extremely important. Fingerless wool, two options. You can go down to Ar- White's Army, the Army Navy store, Ranger surplus, Ranger surplus. Yeah, you yeah. got to deal with the, the White's Army Navy's in in, in the, Ohio. Yeah. The guys that work there, holy! <laughs> I don't know where you don't see these people out in public. No, they're, they're like what? How much do they cost in there? There's fingerless wool, four ninety nine, five five bucks. And um, then if they get wet and slimy, you throw them on shore and grab another pair. Yeah, yeah. But the barber wool, yeah, the, bar- the barber ones are really those good. are toasty. Those are nice, man. Uh, those ones I have actually now. Uh, they're they're like what? Like twenty bucks. They're worth something, it. Something like that. That's what I wear. Just driving around. Yeah, here. those ones aren't itchy either. Yeah. They're not itchy. The, the ones from Ranger. They're itchy. Yeah. They're, they're itchy. Um, but, yeah, you some wool, wool fingerless gloves. You can wring them out, you know, throw them, throw them up on the shore, whatever. Let them dry out. Get another pair if you want. Um, but that's it. All wool. That's what that's what I wear. You got a particular uh, color sunglass you like? Uh, amber. You know, usually amber. I think, uh, I think amber in fresh water. Is you ever go yellow like on a low light? That's low light. Yeah, I, I do. I have a. Um, I actually have a pair of cheapy uh, <coughs> yellow sunglasses that I bought um, for just that reason, and they, they do. They, they work really well. The ones on Amazon, they're like twenty. Um, I'm trying to remember the brand. Actually, they might be Orvis ones. They might be like a thirty forty dollar Orvis pair. One of the. No, I don't know. I don't know what they are, but but but. Uh, 
yeah, they're they're yellow and they and they work well. They work well in the in the low light, but they're they're like worthless during the day. Yeah, I think Smitty told us a good story last year about a guy who <coughs> wanted to start right at dawn, and no sunglasses or anything on, and first cast puts a hook in his eye. Oh, but no. it, it turned out he had uh, cataracts developing, and they didn't know. So he went in to get the hook removed, and then they just uh, they're like, "Yeah, come back. We're gonna do you know cataract surgery on you." Probably saved his eyes. Jeez, but that's not how I want to find out that I got cataracts. No, me neither, man. What's the what's the worst hook I've done? You, have mm-hmm. you ever gotten any any clients ever? I've done nose, ears, necks. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, ears. I had a kid hooked his dad in the throat. Same kid. We're fishing up at Riverbend. He hooks a uh, spinning rod and pulls it out of like 20 feet deep. Wow. We're fishing like bottom bouncing through the boulder field. He pulls up yeah. a spinning rod. Still yeah. had a worm on it. I was just uh, I was just talking to some guy in the shop yesterday that said uh, that he caught three or four fish this year that were over 20 inches at Riverbend, smallmouth. It's got to be in that boulder field. They just, I mean, you hook a bluegill, it'll come up and rip it off your line. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst oh, yeah. boat ramp ever, though. I've had a lot of good good fish there this year, but I didn't catch any 20-inch fish there this year. Um, <clears throat> One day we went, we had actually gotten a thunderstorm. It was the day that Ellicott City blew out. Oh, okay. So we, we that thunderstorm was brewing. Like Ellicott City, Maryland, if you don't know, got like six inches in an hour. And the entire downtown flooded. It was like destroyed. So we're like, yeah, we got to run. So we're, like, humping it back to the lot. Uh, but we had a thunderstorm, like, two days before. We went back a week later where it had been fishing. was, like, completely dry. Wow. The river, like, had moved, like, 20 feet laterally wow. up to the shoreline. That's where I got all the fish that are eating the mosquitoes in my tank right there. See that, see that damn fish that Trent caught out in Montana? That rainbow? That rainbow. That oh was God, 30-inch man. rainbow. 30-inch rainbow. In the continental U.S., buddy. Right right here, in the lower 48 even. I absolutely love. Now, that is a steelhead. <laughs> that, that, that was a, that was a, a steelhead the size. Colors on it. I want to get a rainbow dark track. olive steelhead with uh-huh. a red stripe going down it. I've never gotten a dark one. I guess that's more of springtime. Yeah, that's the Ohio fish. You know, After they lo- blend it in. Yeah, the, a lot of the Ohio fish are green and olive, and I mean they're immediately chrome, but the the top of their backs are olive. Some some of them look blue, you know, with a red yeah. with a red. So stripe. the bucket over here with the fish eating mosquitoes. There's a black nose dace. I've got a um, outbreak of planaria in my aquarium, so I put one of the black nose dace in there. What's planaria? Uh, flatworms, you can cut them in half. The head grows a tail. The tail grows a head. Whoa. It was the first organism to have an uh, like full mouth to anus evolve. Hmm. There's, you can take a razor blade and split their head in half, and they'll grow two heads like that. That's awesome. So I'm like, well, i got to get rid of them in the aquarium because I don't know what they're doing to my shrimps. So I take the fish out of there, and he's like bleach white from being out in this bucket. Within 10 minutes... Pure black stripe on him again. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Like he had totally blended in to the aquarium. So you're still in a doing minutes. that. You're still doing that aquarium stuff, huh? Yeah, I'm trying to get. Do you rid- still have like caddis hatches in the house. Yeah, don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get mosquitoes in and bite us, and they like are because I found a lot of mosquitoes in my office this summer. <laughs> I'm like tying. I'm like, what the? 
go, you know, slap my arm. Oh, man. Yeah, I feel bad, though, when I go to vacuum, you know, I, I twice a week I vacuum the house, and there'll be, like, a dead caddis on the windowsill, and I feel bad I didn't get it, you know, to release it before it died. My, we'll be watching TV, and she's like, these damn moths keep flying at me. <laughs> um... All right, what about, uh, what about gadgets? Like, hemostat, what kind of hemos, nippers do we need? Uh, hook files? Uh, hook files are huge. Every every fly shop's got the gadget wall. Yeah. What do I need on the gadget wall to be a steelhead angler? Yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good question, man. That's one that I don't get often. Um, I think a hook sharpener is pretty, pretty damn important. You know, I mean, you are just dredging those flies on the bottom consistently. Um, that could be a caddis above you right now. And the ability to... Yeah, I think that is a caddis man right now. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think that... I think that uh, the hook sharpener is probably the most important one. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're just bouncing those, those flies off of rocks on the bottom all day long. Even if you're swinging flies, you're still nicking the bottom... Um, and with the swinging flies, I like to, I like to do them with trailer hooks and, and I use, uh, the octopus hooks, like the ones you, you, you actually, the most recent flies I just tied up were ones on some, uh, hooks you gave me and you left them in my locker. Yeah. Um, Are you using the OS, OPST swing hooks now? Yeah. We're going to go, you're, I think that's a heavy, yeah. sharp ass hook. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen one. I've, I've seen them online. I'm going to have Art tie fly when we're done. Maybe we'll like raffle it off or something. <laughs> Um, I think that uh, I think a hook sharpener is important. Um, I recently picked up one of those Orvis um, catch and release, catch and release tools. Yeah, and I used it up uh, up at the West Branch of the Delaware River in the Catskills uh, this past August, and um, I really like that. I really like that. And, and I wasn't, I was still like netting the fish. But it was really cool to it be just able to slides right to the oh, hook. Oh, just it just it, it's like amazing. I mean, it just pops. I don't know how to do. It. I don't know how I would describe it to someone. It looks like a. What does it look like? It's like a. It's, it looks like a toothbrush with no bristles and a groove in it. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. You know, and you just slip it on the line, pops the hook right out. Um, I think that's great. I think for for steelhead, I, I think if you obviously if you're tailing the fish, you can't. You know. I, mean, I guess you could still use it. I've never used it on a steelhead. Like when but. we were fishing a couple years ago, the, the legend is what we called him. Didn't that he just brought him in? Didn't tail him. Just reached in the water, popped the hook out, and let him go. Mm-hmm. You can tell there's different types of steelhead guys. I still want a picture of mine to look at. Yeah, I don't. I don't really take pictures of them anymore. I mean, you've caught so you know when you've caught so many of them or whatever, you got a million yeah. steelhead pictures. It's got to be a pretty pretty huge fish for me to want to take a picture of it um but you know when you're let's how can you tell a male from a female just by looking at a steelhead uh typically the the jaw i i can typically tell by the lower jaw you know of the of the fish you know you can the males you can usually see that that kite starting to grow even even very early on when they first get in so that's usually the way the way I look. I'm sure there's other ways to why we don't get that to identify them as well. 
I'd be out there. My mouth would fill up with rain. <laughs> birds perching on it, trying to take a sip. Yeah, that's usually how I how I tell them apart. You know, I feel like I, I don't know why. I don't. I don't. I don't have any any evidence to back this up. But I feel like the males are longer and skinnier. Sexual, more sexual dimorphism. Yeah, and I feel like the ma- the females are fatter and rounder. I don't know. Uh, Trent does like that song about fat bottom girls. <laughs> Trent Jones. Yeah. <laughs> you sing that at a bar one night. <laughs> Trent All and that. I, Trent and I went up to the West Branch of the Delaware back in May, and we drove from from the DC area all the way up there, and on the way home. We met Dan Duvall up there, too. Right. We went fishing with Dan. He can't figure out Skype. That's why we haven't had him on yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too complicated. And uh, we sang songs all the way, all the way home. All sorts of different. Trent, Trent likes him some R&B. Oh, I'm sure he busts out some rap. Oh, oh, he'll throw down. He does, he does. He's quite the little, he's got, he's got, he's got a nice voice, too. He'll throw, he'll, he'll throw down some songs, man. Old Trent Jones. Being up from Trent Worthington Jones. That's his middle name. Worthington. Worthington. Trent. He should be with at that Worthington Orvis. Worthington Jones. Trent, Trent Worthington. <laughs> Worthington Orvis. That guy's hilarious, man. Oh. What else would you need? What else you got in your car for steelhead fishing? Um, change of clothes in case you fall in. TP. Uh. Or emodium. I go emodium. TP. Let's see. Have I ever had toilet paper? I have had toilet paper in my vehicle before. It's not fun dropping trowel in, in steelhead weather. No, I uh, I don't know that. I don't know that I've ever. We're close I, enough. I, I, some trout fishing, I've done it. I mean, yeah. I've done enough some trout fishing, but usually the steelhead's pretty close to. Uh, Urban yeah. centers. That, the uh, Cleveland ones. I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna go get a Chipotle burrito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you like can, 2.5 yeah, miles. Yeah, it's, the not, it's not bad. The Cleveland ones are pretty convenient. It's like, nuts. Oh no! I can't imagine if I mean, we had that like here. My routine was this, man. My routine was like, uh, you know, I lived like on the Rocky, basically, and I would go down the road. I'd swing in the uh, Blackbird Bakery. Okay. Um, Blackbird Bakery is on Detroit Road in Rocky River, on the border of Rocky River in Lakewood, Ohio. And uh, that's where you go, and it's right above the Emerald Necklace Marina. And uh, you go in there, you get your coffee in the morning, get yourself a pastry, get the uh, the one with the, the peanut butter and jelly jam croissant. Oh thing. Oh, it's like it's just ridiculous. Long. And then you know, and you fish all day, right? And then uh, you drive back up the road, and and you go and get your go to melt, and uh, get yourself a, a grilled cheese sandwich that has a pierogi and some sausage on it and Wait, some sauerkraut. <laughs> a grilled cheese with a pierogi in it? Yeah, a grilled cheese with a pierogi. It's very Cleveland. And, and, yeah, and some and some like Polish boy style sausage and some sauerkraut and some mustard and oh god, just it's just. Amazing. I'm sure that's like a two fifty sandwich. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's like not expensive down yeah. here. That'd be like eighteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a like a pile of fries, like you know, this big, just just tons of fries, 
good malt vinegar on there, and uh, yeah, you're you're out of there for probably ten bucks or something. I don't know. I mean, it's I still miss the what about Bob's that was on the Chagrin River. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The other one the, now, if you're fishing the Chagrin, there's a sandwich shop over there. Um, that's called. Oh, give me a second, man. It's like a like a Jewish spot, and they got some of the best corn so, beef. Oh, when I was so fishing, good. I, can't, um, I can't think of it. <clears throat> All right, I'm I'm looking for your name, buddy. We fished together a couple years ago. He said Schwitz Cafe was the place to go in Cleveland. Schwitz Cafe. Where did he say that was? I'm just not somewhere in Cleveland. Um, I'm totally blanking on his name. You sure it wasn't Schleimans? No Schwitz. I know. It. I mean, I know a good Yiddish name when I hear <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, there's some good ones, man. There's some good good corned beef there. Um, oh, corned beef. Yeah, the Cleveland. The Cle- Strawberry is the most sensuous of meats. Yeah, it's good. I think that was the term. <laughs> <laughs> Making me hungry again. Uh, I think we that, have ice cream. I think that I think cool. that the food part and the people part is the best the best part about the steelhead fishing you know? it is fun you just meet so many random I people know, from I, different places i really cannot stand the haters uh, the people that are that, that cry and complain and whine about the pressure because like there's nothing you can do about it like i mean there, there's just a million people there it's like it's like the burning man of fishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you just each other's fish, yeah, sharing drinks. Exactly. You know, I mean everybody's got food, somebody's, you know, telling Probably. stories of the olden days and it's it's just it's just wonderful. Good it's camaraderie. Like, it's like a festival, man. It's a festival of life. Yeah. You know. Um, should, should someone hire a guide their first time? Like let's say you're driving up from Kansas and you want to go steal <laughs> fishing. Uh, I think I think it was would be a good idea. Like first day, so you learn yeah, yeah, how yeah. to read the water. Uh, absolutely, you know. I think um, usually Great Lake steelhead fishing now, like the trend. I know I have a lot of buddies that are that are still steelhead guides back at home. Um, trend now is like this. There's a lot of private water thing stuff going on. Um, are you wearing Doctor yeah, Jones? Nice. He's like a, my shawl. As a shawl. Um, he'll sit like this on my shoulders all night. Yeah, there's a there's a, a lot of private water stuff going on now. Um, not so much in Ohio that I've seen. I guess in some places on Conneaut, but uh, especially in Pennsylvania, man, like Elk Creek is beavers buying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting it's getting all bought up by people, and and they, those people are now leasing that water to the guides for a fee to take the client on um, for whatever. But but. <clears throat> you know, that's probably a good way to do it. You know, get, get yourself a guide. There's a lot of great, you know, steelhead guides out there. Because um, it is weird. It is foreign, like, for people. Because if you've ever trout fished um, or done any other kind of fly fishing, you're usually not accustomed to dealing with all that weight. It's a different, and completely all, different, like, learn, I would say learning curve, but style. Yeah, it's it's very strange. You know, it's very foreign. You don't see it. Um I mean, I, I, I guess it's kind of like trout fishing, like nymphing for a trout a lot of times, or, or swinging flies for a trout. But the thing is, you're just using so much more weight, and the fish are not in the same places. Like, the reading the water part, I think, is the most difficult for people. Like, I, so many times do I see people, like, standing in these this fast runs, you know, with 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 
you know, water that's moving extremely quickly and they're, and they're throwing in little pockets and little buckets. And I'm just like, dude, there's no, there's no way that Who there's a fish in that water. There's no way that there's a fish sitting there. Now, if that was, if it was a trout stream, there would be a fish possibly there, you know, because that's where the food is. But these fish are not, are not like that. I mean, I think that, I think that I find the most steelhead in kind of a waist high walking speed water, you know, or deeper. It's pretty slow, you know, it's pretty slow moving water. You know, they crash through all that fast stuff and they spend a lot of energy trying to get over it. And, you know, and then they stop off into the, into the slower stuff and they hang out for a while until the next period where the, the water comes up or whatever. And then they continue, continue upstream. Speaking of water speed, you want to give out that website again? Uh, the USGS. What? Uh, oh, River Boss. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Riverboss.com. Um, yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great website. And um, it's Riverboss.com. And let's go to it real quick. Um, they've actually... Man, if I mean, the hurricane had come up, it looks like it's going to make a loop-de-loop, but imagine if Matthew went over us, turned a tropical depression, and just dumped on the Great Lakes. <laughs> oh, man. Fish flying up there. So the fish, they're be, looking for for water events. I think so. <coughs> they don't want to scrape their belly on gravel. When They don't want the skinny water. They want are, you talking about, are you talking about when they move into the lake? Because I have theories yeah. about when they move from the lake let's, to the river. Let's talk about it. So, and again, like, I'm not a biologist, you know, um, but... You just play one on TV? I just play one on TV. Uh, I I really have noticed a few trends that... that um, a couple guys from Ohio got me on to uh, Turnpike Walt actually was one of them and uh, another guy Craig who um, owns uh, it's kind of he's got fly fishing stuff there too but he does more center pin and more uh, open face spin stuff and he caters to the guys that Those do, the, do the walleye fishing uh, his name's Craig and he owns uh, Erie Outfitters great little shop if you're uh, if you're in Avon Lake, Sheffield area or whatever, you swing by, talk to him. He knows the waters really well. Um, have you ever seen a weirder dog? Mm-hmm. Look at me sitting. Jones is pretty pretty strange. Yeah, River Boss, man. So you finally load. So we were supposed to have a cell phone tower in this neighborhood, and the previous previous residents of this house were the ones that were the main V. Like her license plate was like no cell towers. That's why we had the worst reception here. Really? It is terrible. Why don't we go through this right now and let's... Yeah, let's what streams are on there? Yeah, let's, what see, let's see. Today is uh, 5th of October, I believe. My brother had his birthday yesterday. Dr. Jones. Dr. Oh, Jones went steelhead fishing once. Hey, buddy. Did they he? let him in the bar, the uh, Altmar Hotel, one night. We got 49 inches of snow in one day. I, yeah, I wonder if this is actually right. So, okay, so the first one on this list for, if you if you click on region, if you click on Steelhead Alley, um, if you go to riverboss.com and you click on Steelhead Alley, you will find a list of a bunch of different rivers, um, and they're, what CFS they're at, and uh, what the conditions are at, so... 
cubic feet per second. Yeah, CFS, cubic feet per second. The Black River is the first one on there, which is... I don't, uh, I don't know the Black. Yeah, the Black's on the west side of Ohio. Um, it's uh, Sheffield Village, Vermilion area. Um, is that the Vermilion River also? Nope. So that's a crazy misnomer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vermilion's uh, east. Vermilion is... Is that towards... Vermilion's west. Vermilion's west. West? Yeah, Vermilion's west. Okay. The black is, uh, it's out by the Backpacker Shop, which is one of the better fly shops in in that area. There's uh, two good Orvis stores in Cleveland now, and uh, the Backpacker Shop and Chagrin River Outfitters, all good shops. Um, they don't stock the black, but the black gets a lot of stray fish. Um... The Black River, if you're in uh, if you're in Ohio, it's kind of neat. It's going to be one of the least pressured of all the uh, of all the rivers out there because because they don't stock it, um, and access is there, there's some access, but it's it's limited. I would tell you to go into the backpacker shop and uh, buy some flies and bribe bribe those guys with some a six pack and tell you where to go. <laughs> Don't bring art a six pack of IPA. I learned that. It sat there for months. I ended up taking it home. Yeah, I don't drink IPA. Uh, Brandy Run is the next on the list. Brandy Run is actually, I believe it's a tribute. It's a tributary of Elk. These are all great DJ names. That's the I'm, I'm Brandy Run. Um, I'm Steelhead Alley. Catching you live every day from 3 to 7. So the black, it says it's at 22 CFS, which I'm not even sure if that's accurate, but it's too low to fish. Let's just put it this way. Uh, Brandy one, it says it's at 1 CFS. And going what would up. be optimal for that one? Um, What, for the black? For Brand, Miss Brandy? Uh, so Brandy run is the gauge that you would check at elk. So usually Brandy run, I would say anything below 10 CFS is good. But that doesn't, you got to realize, that doesn't reflect Elk Creek itself. That's just where the gauge is there, is on, is on Brandy Run. Um, Cataraugus Creek, there's a couple other small ones on here, like Buffalo Creek. Um, Cataraugus Creek, which is one of the, the larger tributaries um, on the Great Lakes, and, and, and that's... That's where Dan's wife was fishing Prego. Oh, really? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I like think it's... very Prego. I think it's gorgeous there. I absolutely love it. Um... That's one of the better. If you're a two-handed fisherman, you'll you'll appreciate the cat. Um, that's at 110 CFS, which is extremely low for that stream. Um, let's see. You got the Chagrin River, which is at 72 CFS, extremely low. You, I like to fish the Chagrin and and streams like the Chagrin and the Rocky, um, which are kind of medium-sized tributaries. Those guys, uh, I think, fish best between like 180 and 300. Don't back cast over the flaming pipes that stick out of the river. Flaming pipes? There's like pipes that come out of the river with flames on them. On which river? The Chagrin. Like right in downtown Chagrin Falls. No. Like natural gas something. I'm trying to think of where I was that is. my hands up on it. Really? It was like a chimney coming out of the river. Yeah. It was so weird. People were lighting their cigarettes on it. Uh, I think Every time you think you've seen it all... Then there's like just a pipe with a flame coming out of it. Best game in town right now looks like the Cuyahoga. Uh, flowing at 385. Pretty good shape. A little on the low side. That's also a great swinging water stream. It's 
We've got it kind of easy now. We can just pop up on our phone. I know, man. Like, this is where I'm going tomorrow. I know. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It used to be. I remember back in the day, I mean, you didn't know what the river was going to look like until you went and looked at it. You know, you'd get up in the morning and you'd get all excited Drive couldn't sleep the night before and you're all planning it out. And, you know, I remember, man, I'd be up until like 2 in the morning organizing fly boxes and and tying flies and building leaders and checking equipment and getting ready. Like, oh, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go fishing, you know, and then you get to the river and it's blown out. And you're just like, damn, you know, what, what am I to do now? Go watch Saturday cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What, what, what else? I mean, covered is about everything. Waiting jackets? Like, uh, yeah, I always wear a waiting jacket. Waterproof? Uh, do you like down? Do you like puff? Do you like... Uh, so I do, I do, uh, in the super cold months, right? And when I mean, like, super cold, I mean, like, the kind of cold that, unless you're from that area, you are not going to be outside in there, you know? But, you know, I mean, I've, I've gone fishing for steelhead and... 15, 16, 17 degree weather. Um, down, I really like down. You know, they have all this great prima loft now, and they have, and it's great because, like, if it gets wet, it still is warm. And, and, but I really think the down is still, I still like the down. My caskier puff jacket, it's, when Colby's cast, like, cast makes good stuff. Colby's like, dude, it's hurricane proof. And, and I bought it, and, I was underneath. It was the Healing Waters tournament, and I'm talking to Flip Pallet, mm-hmm. and I'm standing where the water's coming off the tent, and it's onto me. And he's like, "Why are you standing there?" And I'm like, "Well, my jacket's not getting wet on the inside." He's like, "What jacket is that?" I'm like, "It's cask here." He's like, "Yeah, most jackets don't do that. Like a, a puff-filled jacket." Yeah, I have a pair of their gloves. They're they're really nice. But I don't wear them because they're. They're full finger. They're full finger. Yeah. But, like, if I'm snow... I feel like they missed the mark there. If I got to do, uh, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, clear like, the yard yeah, or yeah, something... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wear those cast gloves. That's what I do. Yep. They make great stuff. They make great stuff. Yeah, Colby. Um, big, that's a big dude, man. I don't know if Colby's, like, a bar fight guy, but if I had him <laughs> with me at a bar, <laughs> I'd feel much more safe out in Idaho. <laughs> I mean, there's big dudes, and then there's Colby. Like, that dude is... Yeah, I uh, what I'll do like is I'll wear the down jacket and then I put the waiting jacket over. There you go. You know that's that's kind of what layer, I do layer, to layer. keep it. Yeah, just layered up. You know, so like on the worst day of my life, it'll be you know fifteen degrees and negative five with the wind chill, and I'll have on a merino base layer and like a merino full zip second layer up to my neck, and I'll have on a down Shit. jacket like a three hundred and fifty or three hundred eighty fill. And then I'll put the waiting jacket over that in case it rains with the hood up, fingerless barber gloves, and, uh, you know, and I'm off off to the races, man, looking like a Stay puff Marshmallow Man. But you're comfortable. Comfortable. You know, and if and you're you not warm, you're not going to enjoy your day out there. No, if that's... I'm driving, the, like, yeah. seven hours, Yeah, I want to enjoy my day. Now, what about boots being bigger than they sh- your foot? Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk of that. Um, good one. So... I I don't really see it, right? Like I I wear size ten and a half, eleven shoe. So I buy size twelve wading boots. I've always done that, regardless. But 
I always found like Orvis boots, and I, I've had Sims boots, and I've had some Patagonias in the past too, and they all, to me, like wading boots always seem like they're bigger yeah. than <clears throat> your shoe size anyway. Um, I I don't really believe in it, and here's why. Like I, I think that you need to get whatever wading boot fits with a heavy sock. That's how I think you should shop for wading boots. When I have customers, I probably sell more wading boots than anybody in the D.C. area. When they come in... because people here have more feet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, when they come in, what I do is I put them on a neoprene booty, and I have them put on a really thick wading sock. And if I can get the boot to fit, you know, uh, then we're good. So that's a note. If you're going to go try on waders and boots, bring the sock you're going to go fishing with. Absolutely, man. It's like, I mean, skiing. Sure, like, sure. When my wife goes to buy ski boots, sure. hopefully she doesn't t- do it too often. I don't know. <laughs> she sees what I spend on fishing. I don't see what she spends on skiing. Yeah. I have no idea what her damage is. She'll be like, I got new Rossies for the year. And I'm like, what's a Rossi? Yeah, right. Isn't that <laughs> like a, a cognac? <laughs> and she keeps it in Colorado, so I never even see her gear. Oh, but she's yeah. got it stashed somewhere? In my in-law's house. Oh. Yeah, it's all there. I have a net I found that I keep You there. should stash your your fly equipment at my house. And she- <laughs> I always said, if you want to bring a four-piece rod home and your wife doesn't know, you get a baguette bag from Giant. The red, white, and blue oh, paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sneak yeah. those into your house. <laughs> Honey, I got the food. Um, she just sees the time, but she didn't see I got another... Got five or six hundred beads in the mail today. Oh, really? I'll show this to you. Yeah, Alibaba. Oh, I should, dude. They're they're uh, two cents each on Alibaba. You love that stuff, don't you? Yeah. Jack Ma. <laughs> hey, oh. <What's> <laughs> We're still here. I. Uh... <laughs> you want to come by for McAllen? Well. When when Gary gets here, maybe I can. Okay. Depending on what's going on. I'm going to bring you one right now. All right, hold on. Make something up. Oh my god! Tell a story. Tell a story. Oh, tell a story. So I got a story. I um, I got a story. One of my favorite steelhead stories, and I can't really remember if I told this on the first podcast that we did or not, but one of my favorite steelhead stories was, um, there was a guy who <coughs> was, uh, center pinning. And center pinning? Yep. Oh, yep. that's crossing over, man. Uh, yep. There was a guy that was center pinning, and I can't, you tell me if I told this on the last podcast. I don't know. But I remember I walked down to the river, and, um... He, he thinks the doors, the screen door's closed. Oh. He'll stand there. Really? I can go there. Watch. I'll pretend to open the screen door, and he'll come in. <laughs> That's how dumb. No, he figured it out. No, figured yeah, the other day, out. I had to pretend to open the screen door, and then he came in. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so I'm down on the river. This was on the east branch of the Chagrin, actually. And um, I used to go there before work when I used to work at the fly shop and. Cleveland. And um, how awesome is that that you could just be like, 
I'm just gonna go steelhead fishing before work. For me, it's like well, I used to. I used to live in on the west side, so I would fish the chagrin in the mornings before work, and then I'd go fish to Rocky <sighs> in the evenings after work. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> steelhead for me is like one week a year. Yeah. Are you gonna be yeah. back up there for Christmas time? I might. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. I might. Uh, I might go up there for Christmas time this year. Are you We're gonna, gonna f- go? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna plan something fun. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's I want to go eat sure. a pierogi sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go to melt. You know, and there's still plenty of fish to catch there in the winter. You know, not as many as in this. Matt, but. that's the guy I fish with. Matt Becca just popped out. I met him. He's from somewhere else. Sorry, Matt, I forgot where you're from. If you, even if you're listening, so this here's the story. So I go down to the river, and there's I see two guys fishing, and uh, one's got a center pin rod, and one's got a spay, right? One guy's at the top of the run, one guy's at the bottom. And I kind of like just stop and I'm just watching him, watching him. The one guy on the center pin lands a fish and uh, lands fish, puts fish back. I'm watching the spay guy, you know, because I was thinking about like letting him. I was kind of wanting to fish where he where he was. And both of those guys were like quickly moving down, moving down, moving down. I kind of wanted to jump in because I, I had to go to work in like an hour. So that's really the only run I could I could fish. I couldn't walk up to the next one. So I'm watching, and they're Poor going. You. They're they're going down. Yeah, they're going down. They're going down. And uh, the center pin guy catches another fish. I'm like, oh, nice. There's some fish stacked up in there. Sweet. And um, the spay guy, right? He like starts tramping out of the water, you know, and like. He's all pissed off. And first of all, the, the pin guy's above him. So he's catching fish behind him, you know, like behind this big guy. And the guy gets up onto the shore where I'm at, and he's like, oh, that fucking, you know, live bait, you know, they're pin, you know, doing his, his whole routine, you know. And um, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you are you done? Are you are you gonna jump back in, or do you mind if I? And he's like, no, I'm 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 done with that asshole in there or whatever. Da, 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 da. And so he goes back to his car, and uh, I get down in the water finally, and I go over like towards the pin guy. I'm like, hey, do you? I see you're working down. You know, I only got a I only got about a half an hour. Do you mind if I? swing through be you know behind you or whatever and he's like no go ahead go ahead nice guy i'm swinging through and he goes he says hey uh the the center pinner he goes hey i heard that guy up there sound like he was pretty pissed at me and i was like yeah you know you know how people are or whatever he's like yeah let me let me show you something and I'm like, oh, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah, come here. Let me show you something. I'm like, okay, here we, here we go. Like, sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, here we go, you know. And shits, so I walk down. And uh, and he picks up his his float, you know. And he's got uh, and he's got a fucking woolly bugger and, uh, and a black stonefly nymph under there. So he's using flies to do it. And um, just goes just goes to show, right? It's not. It has nothing to do. With, it's all about like the presentation, yeah. you know. So this pin guy was throwing flies on his on his pin and getting a drag free jiff because he knew you know what he was doing. Um, but he wasn't using 
Clive Bate. So maybe not the greatest story in the world, but I always remember it. (laughs) One last word of wisdom. Let's go tie fly after this. What's the one thing you have? uh, How about this? If you could have one superpower to use as an angler, what would it be? Of any of the superpower people. All the superpowers. If I could have any superpower as an angler. Hmm. Wolverine, cut your, your tippet. Cut your tippet, Wolverine, huh? Uh, I don't know, man. Like Aquaman, I would, I would, I would like to be Aquaman. You know, I'd like to be able to kind of like swim down into the holes at Fletcher's and figure out where all those big stripers are. Can't, you know, can't imagine what's down there. <laughs> Breathe underwater, and yeah. you know, and, and swim down in there and find out. Find out. Rubik's, I think. I think. Yes. Yeah, I think Alex Binstead might be Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a lot of green. He kind of looks like Aquaman. All right, let's go tie a fly. <laughs> All right, let's go tie a fly. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv one of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.